0: Just go to Indeed.com/slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center Podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to Rotoviz.com. delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope, this one out, touchdown, this time going deep for Beckham Jr., they catch it, he
1: did it. Hello, everyone, welcome back to Road of Overtime and Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. and I'm joined again by Sean Siegel, my co host here on Road of His Overtime. Going overtime, uh, and always this week, Sean, it is episode three of the podcast, third week in a row with three shows. A lot of people uh, do comment, uh, especially in the US, on the way I say tree. Uh, it's not pronounced correctly, it should be three, but uh, three by three. Uh, and... Uh, more reviews please for my irish uh, brogue but uh if you have (laughs) it's uh it's saturday we're here to to have some fun we're going to talk through uh, a number of different topics but uh going to be going to be another good show sean
2: it is today we're talking about dynasty trades how to make them how to become a high volume trader and why that allows you to win and then we're going to focus a lot on some of the fun things we're going to look at some reader uh (laughs) We're gonna focus on some of the fun things. We're gonna talk about some listener questions, how to make trades in your individual leagues, what years you're gonna wanna be targeting through trades, some thoughts on the running back dead zone, and then talk about a few TV shows. Colum, we haven't mentioned the shows for a few episodes. We wanna get a couple of our favorites out there. So yeah, this will be a relaxed, fun, uh, listener-driven show today. And we're gonna start by talking about how to become a high volume trader in dynasty
1: yeah it's gonna be gonna be a good one off the top of the show as always i'm going to remind the listeners uh if you want to head over after you finish listening to the show during the show if you want to do it drop us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app we're closing in on 100 100- uh, reviews on the US iTunes or Apple podcast page so if that's the next target here for us on OT so uh, give us a written review if you haven't already get us towards that 100 review mark uh, but Sean today some of the core elements uh, we have talked uh, we do talk a lot about trades and, and you know how to be able to do that but I think something that people don't think about it, as you know people think about making that one trade to help them win the league but realistically it's not that one trade that's going to make it as the volume of trades that help if you and you, you've mentioned this on the show before if you win you know each trade by just 10 percent the more of those trades that we do over time the more value that's going to be added on to that roster so for you how important is the volume versus the big trade
2: the, the volume is absolutely crucial right we talked about in our recent RoboViz Dynasty Triflex startup that we made 13 trades in the startup. The team that we profiled last week from one of our fellow managers made 14 trades. Our team is set up very nicely now with, we made 19 selections in the first 12 rounds. That gives us a lot of flexibility, right? So we're talking about win now, win forever, We know we have a young team. If a few things fall right in 2021, maybe we win this year. As we go forward, the team should get stronger and stronger. We talked about how on the other end of that, our league mates team with the 14 trades, his team probably is the favorite now to win in 2021. As you can imagine, with all of those trades and our two teams having made the most trades, we had three or four trades with each other, and those trades allowed us to each individually accomplish key objectives so that's one of the things i talk about a lot in terms of how you can make a lot of trades is that you want to be looking out to help your fellow manager accomplish their goals if you can establish yourself as having the reputation of someone who will help that other player get done what they need to get done then they're going to be the first person to you're going to be the first person they come to with a trade offer and we often think in terms of, okay, well, the key thing is making trades, but if you can get to the point where you receive the most trade offers of anybody in your league, then you're half of the way there, right? Because you're not going to want all of those trade offers. And in fact, a lot of the trade offers you're going to look at. And the first thing that you think, and and this is true for all of us, is just like, how do they possibly think that I'm going to be interested in this, right? (laughs) That's just how trade offers tend to come in. But there's a huge value to being the person who gets a lot of the trade offers because even if it's only one out of 10 or one out of 20 or one out of 30 that you look at and you're like, Oh, well, that's actually great for me. Then you can accept that trade. And if you have the reputation as someone who they receive a trade offer and they send the reply of, okay, that's not remotely what the value is. You know, this guy is twice as good as that guy, you know, why are you sending this Then the person just naturally stops sending you offers. The first thing that you wanna do when you get an offer is look at that and take the information that's there. So you look at the player on your team that is being asked for, and you put that in your memory bank as, okay, this is someone who is valued by this particular owner. On the flip side you look at the player that's been offered you is you okay this is someone this owner is willing to give up and might part with for a little bit less than value or might part with at value because one of the things that we have to deal with when we're trying to make dynasty trades is the fact that the player that you have on your team the very fact that you made the investment whether that was through a startup pick whether it was through a trade whether it was through it was buying in an auction like we talked about on thursday you've made the investment in such a way that you're almost certainly higher than the market on that guy. When you look at the player the other owner is offering you, they're almost certainly higher than the market on that guy. So if you're both starting from the perspective of having slightly inaccurate or optimistic valuations, then what are the chances of meeting in the middle? But again, it's all important information because you're trying to find as you trade your players you're trying to find the person in your league who, like you, values that person market. And simply knowing that by being someone who gets a lot of offers because you respond in a friendly way to offers gives you that information. So when you receive a trade offer in, you don't have to look at it in terms of, okay, well, I don't want to trade player A for player B. You can look at it as, then you can send out return offers where you look at trying to explain, okay, well, these are the guys on your team that I would be willing to put in a package for the person you want. And then you send a separate set of offers saying, okay, the player you've offered me, these are the guys that I would be willing to give up to get that. So you can look at it as really two separate things. But in order to have that information, you've got to establish yourself as having the reputation as someone who is fun to talk with, is fun to trade with someone who you're willing to, to chat about the trades for a while, even if the trade doesn't get done. Now, depending on the time that you have depending on what you like about dynasty if you don't have a lot of time and the part that you enjoy about dynasty fantasy isn't trading then maybe that isn't something for you but you know if you've paid 50 bucks to be in a league with your college friends then i mean you probably want to talk with them about football players right if you've paid 500 to be in a rotavis Triplex league then you probably like fantasy football and enjoy talking about it so Creating this environment where you can talk about players with someone else who shares that same passion, uh, that has some benefits even beyond just this idea of, okay, how can we make trades?
1: Yeah. And I think uh, to wrap them up, some of the core elements, the four core elements that you mentioned for those high volume dynasty trading are offer balanced trades. Um, so basically, we are sending elite players to the trade partners, not always lowball or i have to win that accept fair offers without trying to start too much extra so sometimes there is like that offer comes in and you're like yeah i like that player this is fair click accept and sometimes if you send an offer and that happens you're kind of surprised that there is no retort before (laughs) uh, the deal is done Um, so that's obviously a part of it as well as accepting those fair offers work with the potential trade partners to help them accomplish their objectives which you mentioned and avoid basically telling trade partners uh, what player is objectively worth um basically when the offer comes in don't tell who sent that offer that this player sucks and your players better and um, it's kind of the nicest way to, to put that i think
3: yeah um, and,
2: and the thing here and this may seem like a subtle distinction but when you send out an offer and the first thing you get back from your league mate is a breakdown of exactly what the players are worth then that can rub you the wrong way, right? Because when you sent the trade offer out, I mean, you had ideas about what you think those guys are worth. So when you get the response and the other person's like, no, 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 this player is worth this, this player is worth this, this player, is worth that. You're like, well, I mean, maybe to you, right? And so it immediately kind of gets your back up and you're like, well, th- that's not right. And and then you're not in that position to make these moves or continue the discussion. If you instead say, and this may seem like exactly the same thing, right? But if you instead say, this is how I value this guy. This is why I value him here. I understand if you don't value him the same way. Saying something as simple as, I understand if you don't have the same value, really opens it up to the discussion. And the person's like, yeah, well, I don't value it the same way, but you know, it's it's okay that we had different values. Maybe we can work and come to a compromise. And, and you're very much then into the discussion. Where if the person comes back and you're just like, no, this isn't the value for this guy, then you're like, you know, well, I don't want to talk about it with you that. And so, even though that may seem like, you know, purely a matter of, <laughs> of semantics or, or being friendly or what have you, it can make a big difference because nobody wants to get a reply to their trade offer where someone is telling them what the values are.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate
3: That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I 100% agree. Something that I
1: talk to lots of people about is... Uh, tone and phrasing are two of the most important things you can do in terms of communication um and that comes in written or verbal format and uh when you're writing something to somebody if the tone isn't right or uh, the phrasing isn't right and you mentioned it's only a subtle difference but that subtle difference can make a, a big difference especially uh when you're trying to achieve a goal um no matter what it is so tip for the week for anyone out there uh use phrasing and tone uh, to your advantage. Uh, (laughs) But uh, let's jump into the the second half of the show. We're going to dive into some uh, listener questions. An interesting one coming in here from Gene Williams. Uh, He emailed it our way. Hi guys, love the shows and all the tools are amazing on Rotovis. He says he's a big believer in 0RB and modified 0RB, which is a hot topic if modified 0RB is actually a thing uh, on the Twitter streets at the moment. But uh, he says, however, in early mock drafts, uh, he's Seeing players like Chris Carson in the 5th round, Kareem Hunt in the late 5th round, 6th round, and even uh, Edwards Lair in the late 3rd round, early 4th round, and they're falling into the dreaded RB dead zone. Are they players that are exceptions to the rule? Uh, And when is it appropriate to to deviate from the tried and true approach of avoiding an RB in the dead zone at all costs? Um, So I'll let Sean have the, the first one to jump into that.
2: Yeah. And you mentioned it is modified zero RB. I think I always say single elite running back because I think that that describes what it is. And I wouldn't want people to feel like, you know, zero RB um, fans or believers are trying to take credit for something that is different. I mean, single elite running back is obviously different and a very viable approach there
1: i i agree sean uh single elite is the f- best way to explain it but i also uh, i'm not one for uh, trying to stir things up a lot but I, I really enjoy um saying modified zero rb on uh, on twitter just to get those reactions it's a it's a hell of a lot of fun but uh, i i agree with you the the best way to say it is the the single elite
2: yeah so we, we look at chris carson we look at kareem hunt We pull up the range of outcomes tool, which gives us historical comps for the players and then looks at how those players have performed in the subsequent season. We've got some range of outcomes there, the 25th percentile, 50th percentile, 75th percentile, and some averages. Carson 12.6, Hunt 12.3 in terms of the average projection for 2021. They come in 16th and 18th in the tool. Obviously, that doesn't include rookies, so you have to factor them in as well. Both of those guys have relatively poor 75th percentile outcomes also, which I think when you're talking about drafting players in the dead zone, one of the things you're looking for is, okay, well, I know that there are risks. What is the upside? Now, with Kareem Hunt, the upside would be that if something unfortunately happens to Nick Chubb, then perhaps he absolutely lights the world on fire. With Hunt, you have this chance to get a back who is probably going to score for you and has this elite upside. That might be something that you're interested in there. Chris Carson, we know he's a good player. We know he's someone that the RO actually picked out last year as a must draft guy. And when he played, he played pretty well. I think that what it's telling us this season is that when you're looking at these guys relative to where they're going, they're not overvalued, right? They're not hugely undervalued. And I think that when I'm looking at backs in this round three to round six range, I want them to be very clear values and to have huge upside. So, Mentions Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think that when you're talking about the third round for him, that's an interesting choice. You look at some of those rookie running backs, and I think DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Edwards-Alaire, Antonio Gibson has uh, maybe some differences in ADP. Where in some formats he's actually quite expensive. You probably wouldn't be interested in some formats. He falls into the middle or late third, and at that price, is a little bit more interesting. So we've talked a lot this week about how don't let The structural approach really, really limit you, right? So we look at what the history of the running back dead zone tells us and the players that tend to fall in that area and what the risks are and the limited rewards. And we think, okay, well, if I'm going to take a couple of running backs early, then I want to do it in round one, round two. The thing that I'm seeing this year is that wide receivers in round two are unbelievable. And so I have a hard time taking these running backs who are in round two. By contrast, the second year running backs in round three are pretty intriguing and so I don't necessarily want a lot of them I'm not going to be putting together running back heavy teams but if I get some exposure to those guys even if it's in round three I know that the receivers I'm getting in round two the receivers I'm going to get in round four five six very exciting and so I, I like taking that risk there Carson Hunt probably not as much in part simply because the wide receivers you have to pass up to take them are so good. Again, look at the format we discussed in one of the formats earlier this week that the fifth round didn't look particularly appetizing. If you're in a spot where wide receiver looks flat and you have Carson or Hunt there, then maybe you make that pick and then you move back to wide receiver. But if I'm gonna take Carson or Hunt, it's gonna be in a situation where I plotted that draft out from round 10 back up to round one, and I know that I'm gonna get the overall structure that i want i'm going to get the overall build with a lot of wide receivers and that's not going to hurt me i've got to be very careful that i'm not going to lose the players i want by taking carson and hunt in that range
1: yeah it's uh, it's really interesting and i think like there's there's a couple of ways it might tempt you away from it but a lot of it is like if a player drops around an adp i i (laughs) i i talked there i asked you on Uh, one of the shows earlier this week about Mike Davis and it was interesting It was a a draft I was recently in where he was nearly a round and a half to two rounds below ADP but like he's a player that I'm not in on in terms of what the likely options are you did a very good retort in terms of how the Atlanta Falcons offense like without Julio Jones mightn't be as high powered this uh, season so you know just because a player drops a round or two in value isn't going to leave them to to be enough to pick in the dead zone uh, I think that's where the likes of Carson fits into that but um, when we look at then some of those guys that are in the third round I know you like J.K. Dobbins um, some of those guys are intriguing but I think like we talked about earlier this week too with the quarterback position in round five in baseball leagues it becomes very intriguing when the round goes flat so I think in the third round, like you mentioned, those some of those younger guys with the you know, you're shooting for the upside can make it a little bit uh, a little bit interesting there. But when we really get into that fourth, fifth, sixth round range, it's it's kind of a, a tough call unless it's some of the, the rookie guys that we're, we're looking ahead to, but the next question coming in from Kevin Wilson. He also emailed it in. A uh, huge fan of the show. He said he's in the midst of a full teardown and rebuild. He's in a 12 team, one quarterback league, and uh, he says he only has a handful of building blocks. So he says he owns three 2022 firsts, two 2022 seconds, as well as four 2023 20 firsts and four. Twenty twenty three seconds so he's really stocked up here big time on those uh, future picks for the next two years he said i'm hearing that i should be aiming to acquire as many twenty twenty three firsts forces possible because uh, the class not only seems deeper but full of higher end talent compared to 2022 uh, do we agree with that he has sent in uh, his squad <coughs> for for some context as well so does have goff and lawrence and uh, matt ryan a quarterback uh, does have dylan Etienne. Uh, Devonte Freeman, unfortunately, their running back. Um, you know, there there is a little. There's Zach Moss as well. It is. He mentioned that he's in a full rebuild, but he does have some nice pieces as well, like Jamar Chase is in there, CD Lambs in there. So two guys we really like, Curtis Samuel, who I think is a an interesting guy this year. Then he does have Mark Andrews and Logan Thomas as well. So there is a there is a couple of guys in there that are are very intriguing. What's your thoughts on you know storing those first two years ahead? You know, I. I I've seen this before where we're talking up a draft class and then we get to that draft class and then it's not quite as good or player falls off from you know 2019 to 2020 and so on what's your thoughts on on stocking up those picks you know two years down the line
2: well i I think he's got a perfect setup here right because you have seven first round picks in the next two drafts you have three in 2022 you have four in 2023 which is likely to be a little bit stronger you also have the six second round picks at a certain point it gets hard to spend all of those and so i don't necessarily think that i would be pushing the rebuild back even farther by moving more of the picks into 2023 i think that that split works nicely but yes we do agree that the 2023 draft is probably going to be a little bit stronger if you pull up our debbie rankings that travis may stefan uh laco and matt wispy put together then you see that three of the top four Defy running backs are from this 2023 class. And so a lot of times when you're hearing about the strength of the classes, because of the strength of those running backs at the top, which both give you the chance to build at that position that's so difficult to acquire in Dynasty and have that window where the players play well. But also then that pushes down the other guys, right? It makes wide receivers a little bit deeper but just because you have more of those running backs at the top. If you have some sort of mediocre running backs, then even those guys will move in there and they'll push the wide receivers down. And that'll make your top end first round picks extremely valuable because of those running backs. And then it'll make your bottom end first round picks and early second round picks valuable because the receivers have been pushed down. So uh, I love what he's got here. He says he doesn't have too many building blocks. That's a full rebuild. But at the same time, when you're looking at a team that has Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Jamar Chase, and CeeDee Lamb, well, you've got a fantastic foundation. I mean, that team is going to be very, very good in a couple of years, almost regardless. He also has a number of our preferred sort of uh, swing for the fences or lottery picks at wide receiver and Deami Brown, Nico Collins, Anthony Schwartz. It's always cool to see people who have obviously looked at some of those <laughs> articles
3: talking
1: been about near
2: who are the really cheap guys you can get basically for nothing who might turn into something. Now, we don't think that they will, but there's that chance that he could become the next Terry McLaurin and then you're one player further along in this rebuild I love what he's done I agree with his question in terms of where the strength of it is but I think that what he already has set up here uh just has not set up perfectly
1: yeah I agree with that and this is definitely um you know around the time of the uh draft uh, I think so definitely was a lot of attention paid to, to some of your work with the, the wide receivers selected there like you mentioned uh hopefully a couple of them will turn out my next question he didn't ask this but um with a team like this you know i mentioned the likes of matt ryan's there uh you know we have aj dylan who if we get to three years down the line or two years down the line i think dylan's still somebody to hold on to but the likes of matt ryan is that a player to move zach moss is that a player to move just in case he's thinking about moving ahead um in terms of gaining some more assets or younger players potentially
2: well i'm i'm a fan of moss i think that that is a player who you probably want to hold on to because you're not going to be paid at the level that he could potentially get to there's there's more value in holding. On the chance that he blows up than to try and sell at the current price he's devalued to the point where you're not going to get a similar type of asset where you know six months from now we could be talking about him in a completely different range the quarterbacks are interesting right because matt ryan jerry goff they have a little bit of value they can help out a team who is in a win now mode the 12 team leagues are a little bit trickier I'm currently drafting. And if anybody wants to see what a developmental dynasty draft in an established league looks like, I'm drafting in a W league that has been going for five or six years. So a lot of the top guys are off the table. We're having our W draft now. It comes up with even a lot of these guys who are now just even getting into college. You can check that out on the site. I go through two rounds of that. It's a 14-team league. In that format, I try and make sure I get some quarterbacks because it's very easy to get to where you have two, and then an injury puts you to one, you can end up in that situation where teams can extort you to uh, you know, make a very poor trade because there's nothing you can do there. There are no starters available and you need to play someone at that position. So Goff might be somebody who could be unloaded. Ryan might be somebody who could be unloaded. This is a 12 team league and 12 team, that's not quite the same dynamic, but there's still some value to helping out one of your league mates who could be in a little bit of trouble. The thing you want to do is you make a good trade for yourself, but not extort them, as we talked about sort of at the beginning of the show. There, they'll remember that most managers will look at that if you've helped them out a little bit they'll be willing to help you out in a way in the future that doesn't mean that they're going to sell you one of their guys at a huge discount or something like that but be more open to talking trade uh, more willing if they're going to do one of these things where they say okay well player a the first person to offer me a third round pick in the next 24 hours gets the guy if a couple of offers come in around the same time and you're one of them then maybe it goes in your direction so you know, maybe the quarterbacks you can use almost for goodwill. I don't know if they're going to bring anything that turns the team around. But one of the elements here is that if you really are rebuilding, and this is a rebuilding kind of team, I think that this team could be competitive earlier than it seems like. Anything happens to Aaron to Aaron Jones, anything happens to Devin Singletary, and suddenly Dylan and Moss, they could be scoring a lot of points. We like some of those wide receivers. But at the same time, if you're wanting to stash as many Players as possible in that JB and Hawkins kind of range in that Anthony Schwartz kind of range, then getting rid of those QBs allows you to do that. I wouldn't give them away for nothing, but the value of having the roster spot on a rebuilding team can sometimes be worth more than a low end QB.
1: No, really good stuff there, and uh, obviously for any listeners who have any questions, any topics they would like discussed, um, I do mention this from time to time in the show, but you can email them. These both come in through email at rhodomusradio at com, or you can send them my way on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. We do try and use as many of them as we can. Some really uh, interesting and intriguing questions have been brought up by uh, the listeners over the last two or three months. We do like that interaction, like uh, getting your questions, so do send them our way um, if you have any. Sean, as we get ready to wrap up, you teased at the start some uh, recommendations. We haven't really hit the recommendations as much over the last couple of weeks, so maybe we have a couple uh, in store for the listeners.
2: Yeah, so I just finished watching the last episodes of season three of Ozark and I, I was blown away by this show the entire time. The first time that I really uh, sort of had it brought to my attention was in a conversation I was having with Josh Meyer, you know, three, four years ago now, where he was mentioning that he had watched it a little bit, was enjoying it, uh, had that uh, slightly different element to it where, you know, you've got the money laundering. I'm not a huge fan of the shows that go into a lot of depth with some of the sort of organized crime types of things. But you do have some shows from time to time that do it in a way that is just so dynamic. And the show that comes up as a comp that's much higher profile show, Breaking Bad, differences to it, Breaking Bad, one of the all time great shows. I think that Ozark actually has much better pacing and the characters in some ways are more interesting. And so I'm not going to necessarily say it's better, but there are some things about it that I, I think viewers will like a lot more. And for a show that is long, each episode, it's just, you know, you hurdle through it like you're on a roller coaster. So that one, absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to season four, I believe the final season uh, coming out sometime in the second half of the year. If you haven't watched, go ahead and, and get ready for that final season.
1: Yeah, it's a show I've really been wanting to watch uh, over the last kind of two years, but I've mentioned this on previous shows. I'm in a situation where uh, Caitlin, our daughter, is three years old, and sometimes watching certain shows might intend... Like we have this thing where we say to her, like, you know, you watch your show. You watch your show. We can see that there's a murderer coming up here. You watch your show. Uh, So it can be hard to uh, get that balance uh, right, but it's definitely one I want to check out. But from all things I've heard, it's not like I could obviously listen you know, watch it on an iPad with, uh, you know, Bluetooth headphones in, but I, I would like to watch it on on the television, get the, the full experience. Um, I've heard really good things about it, so might have to, to try and sneak that in some way. Um, I, I did watch uh, Loki this week, um, you know, Marvel Universe. They have, uh, for anyone that's watched Thor, will probably know some of the background story, um, or the Avengers films, but uh, it's going, I was I sent was to Sean before it started uh, recording today, um, it is back to the old format when you're watching on Disney it's uh, one show a week on the the release format I don't know sometimes if you're better to wait till they're all out so we can get our binge watch going but uh, each week one episode episode one in the books and uh, I really enjoyed it Uh, another part that I really enjoyed about it is is uh, Owen Wilson's in it I always enjoy a bit of Owen Wilson uh, playing a, a bit more of a serious role in this one so For anyone that hasn't checked it out, uh, we're one episode in. It's six episodes long. It could turn out to be very bad, but uh, let's hope that it turns out to be very good. Um, So that's one for myself. Um, Another interesting story about me over the last couple of weeks is I've been doing a lot of landscaping around uh, the house that we moved into in December. Um, So I the landscape and i seeded the grass uh basically two weeks ago now and uh grass is actually growing so uh, i'm feeling uh, quite like an adult at this point with uh, people ask me you know what's my weekend activity um you know five years ago i didn't think it would be quite uh, this way but uh, it's it's i've green grass if the, that's the bonus
2: that's good that's good you've got your new house you've got your uh fancy podcasting setup. You've got your big screen TV that you want to watch the inappropriate shows on, and you're also getting your yard going. I can relate to that a little bit. We're out here in the desert. We're in the drought. I uh, have this amazing, beautiful tree that looks like it is trying to die because it doesn't have any water source <laughs> out there every day trying to give it its bath. So yes, working working on the the yards, trying to make sure the, the neighborhood stays attractive and Watching some TV shows at the same time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, Sean, if I could, I would. I'm looking out my window here, and the uh, the rain is is pouring down. I can probably see about a hundred meters from my house due to the actual ra- the rainfall at the moment. So I would send some over if I if I could get that. If you could send me some of the sunshine as well, it would be. It was be, uh,
2: 113 degrees yesterday.
1: Okay, uh, doesn't happen. We don't get that over here. Uh, but uh, let's let's hope we get a you get a bit of rain there and keep the the tree moving along. It's another show in the books. It's uh, three shows this week again. Uh, we're really uh, going to try and keep this going as much as we can throughout the off season. We'll have some guests sprinkled in as well. So uh, really fun show. Check out all three. Drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app, and as always, you can get yourself a ten percent discount to a Rodvez NFL Pass with the code rv radio 2021 at checkout thanks again for tuning in and uh, sticking with us to the end of the podcast my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over my co-host is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotoviz.com along with all the other great uh, articles that are up there each and every day so until we're back next week with some more podcasts have a good one